Have we not got a bell? I texted him and he said he's in the bathroom. Ooh. We're already bordering on too much information, so I didn't want to ask I anything think else. Past that. Well, I don't want to know details of what he's doing in the bathroom. He's going to send pictures later. Uh, maybe he's still shaving. <laughs> what, he's back? <laughs> it could be. I, he could be going head to toe. He could be eliminating all hair. Delightful. It's not like, a, you know, Dave and I have to get back to work or anything, so we should just take no. it. There's no rush, Bell. You, you, you take your time, dude. I'm Captain Benjamin Sisko. Welcome to Deep Space Nine. Red alert. All crew members report to battle station. Red alert. Shields up. What shields? You're Starfleet officers. Now start acting like it. Oh, it's just Garrick. Plain, simple, Garrick. Dax, we might have just discovered the first stable wormhole known to exist. The wormhole does bring them our way, doesn't it? Everyone wants a piece of the new frontier. This will shortly become a leading center of commerce and of scientific exploration. And for Starfleet, one of our most important posts. Quite a motley crew you've assembled here, Benji. Listen to The Prophets, a Deep Space Nine podcast. And here are your hosts, Andrew Leyland, Paul Spataro, and Dr. Bill Robinson. Bloody hell. Hello and welcome to Listen to the Prophets. I am Brother Bill. With me is Brother Paul. Hello. That's a pretty low hello. hello. Brother Dave. Hello. How you doing? And Brother Andy. Greetings and salutations. He's the fancy one. Brother Andy, say hello to everybody. <laughs> He's the squire of, of uh, Wickshire. <laughs> He's the squire of the prophets. Squire of Bejor. Bejor. Are you from the north of Bejor? But you're from the north. I I'm look from... down upon the people from the north. They're scum. I'm from uh, southern Bejor. You're scum as well. You're all scum. You're a peasant. You're a serf. I pay you no never mind. See, in my mind, that's the way I picture Andy all the time. <laughs> <laughs> And you picture me living down off the Pithlacoochee River. Yeah, right there, Cletus. Actually, is actually a name of a river I live by. Or is it Wicklacoochee? I don't remember. There's no reason to know. It's not like you've lived there very long. It's somewhere up there. Well, then we got a place called Steinahatchee. Got a lot of interesting names in Florida. Like Dr. Bill. Yeah. So. Got a lot, of, a lot of interesting people in Florida. Uh, yes. Florida man. My nemesis. Florida man, Florida man, does whatever a Florida can. Is he a man? Is he a mouse? Does he Florida man. Anyway, this is not a They Might Be Giants podcast. This is a Listen to the Prophets, a Deep Space Nine podcast. And I'm That's easy for you to say. We're rapidly heading towards the finish line. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. And today we are in the 21st episode of the seventh season, entitled When It Rains. In the name of victory. Kira Nerys has certain skills she's willing to teach us. Fierce adversaries unite. Our enemy is the Dominion, not each other. On the next Star Trek Deep Space Nine. That's just it. Just when it rains, dot, dot, dot. So it could be when it rains and pours, when it rains, a rainbow came, comes out. It, fill, fill in your 
uh, euphemism. When it rains, my basement gets flooded. Ah, yeah, true. When it rains, my house does not leak with the new roof anymore, so... Oh, and we have a... This is directed by... Uh, well, I was going to say, you guys would guess, but you're reading the same thing I am. It's I don't have to guess. By, yeah, I know already. By Michael Dorn. Has he directed any part of this? Yeah. I don't remember. Oh, okay. Yes, it's the revolving... It's the revolving actor-director chair. Unless you're Garrett Wang. Oh, poor, poor Edson Kim. Never got to direct, did he? Uh, nope. Maybe he never wanted to. Never got, a, never got a promotion either. Oh, no, he did. <laughs> yes, he did. And he died a couple times, once of alternate universes, you know, anyway. Hey, I've died twice. <laughs> Story by Rene Ichivaria and Spike Steingasser. Great name, Spike. That's a great name, yeah. Spike Steingasser, yeah. Teleplay by Rene Ichivaria, featuring music by Paul Belergeron? Belargeon? Belergeron? Belaferon? But I'm gonna. Original air date May 5th, 1999. Getting closer to that moon blown away. Oh, and we have a. Last time with the addition of Robert O'Reilly as Gowron, the Wiley Leprechaun. And Vaughn Armstrong. Where? He is one of the other Cardassians. I only recognized him because of his voice. He's Thingio in Enterprise. The Admiral that's always talking to oh, Scott Bakula. yes, yes, yes. You are correct, sir. So, our plot for this episode our... goes like... <laughs> it goes like this. At a strategy, or strategy meeting, Chief Miles O'Brien reveals that the... At a strategy? At... I don't think that's the correct way to begin a sentence, either. But anyway... <laughs> Chief Miles O'Brien reveals that only one ship survived the Second Battle of Chintaka, a Klingon bird of prey that made a chance adjustment in its warp core, which immunized it to the Breen's devastating COVID virus, I mean, energy dampening weapon. This fix cannot be applied to Federation and Romulan ships because they're too fancy, putting the Allies at a severe disadvantage. The Dominion postpones its final offensive to deal with Damar's uprising of the Cardassian military. To help Damar lead the revolt against Cardassia, Benjamin Sisko orders Kira Norris to go with Garrick to Cardassia to teach the Cardassians the techniques of guerrilla warfare. Admiral Ross grants Kira a field commission in Starfleet with the rank of commander because nobody will listen to her if she's not. Well, at least that's their thing. Julian Bashir's idea of using changeling tissue to create better synthetic organs for solids leads to his discovering that Odo is infected with the same disease plaguing the Great Link. Odo decides to go with Kira to Cardassia anyway. Bashir tries hard to get Odo's medical records from his visit to Earth three years ago, but when he receives a phony file, he realizes that Section 31 created the disease and used Odo as a carrier pigeon. Oh, no, just as a carrier. Ooh, ooh. After Stop. inducting Martok into the Order of Kalis, Gauron announces that he will take a more active role in the conduct of the war. Gauron designs a plan to attack the Dominion. Even though Worf and Martok look at each other and go, huh? point out <laughs> that the Klingons would be outnumbered 20 to 1. Angel Ducat sneaks a look at the book of the Costumogen, which is some type of Bajoran porn, which is why his eyes, that's why I went blind. And the Pa Race punish him by blinding him. Mm -mm -mm. 
Winthrow's Angel out. She was already aware of his true identity. And tells him that he cannot return, that he can return when your eyesight is restored. Yeah. <laughs> the end. She's such a bitch. <laughs> she didn't even give him a tin cup. Yeah. Oh. You know, well, this episode was great for that. I love Thingo as well. I love Gowron just rocking up five minutes for the end of the war so he can take all the credit for it. <laughs> what a twat. Even though uh, I had a... I don't want to say I had a hard time watching this episode, but it felt... For me, it was a clock watcher. Now, that could be because I really wanted to get back to watching The Expanse. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so that might have had something to do with it. And I had already read... I had read the Memory Alpha plot breakdown, so you're right. Yeah, then going back and watching, I'm like, yeah, yeah, okay, you're going to say this now. You're going to turn to your right. Yeah, 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 okay. Okay, why I will never read Memory Alpha again before watching an episode? Because I'm just sitting there going, come on, just get to it. So, yes, do only read Memory Alpha afterwards. Do not read it before. It's horrible. So, you know what, spoilers aside, because I, you know, I understand the not wanting spoilers, but even if you already know what happens, Memory Alpha kind of just makes it to the point of being tedious is what you're saying yeah there's the difference between a story summary which is what it's supposed to be and telling you in tedious detail what happens i I generally when i go to memory alpha it's always been after the fact and i never read the summary i just go to the notes right oh yeah yeah don't 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 do what i did i mean it's a good resource well yeah but but certainly it's certainly you know what you're welcome to all our listeners that we haven't used that for us enough. Yes, each episode would be 90 minutes yeah. for the summary. Mm. So that aside, it was a lot of, uh, I mean, we've got, we don't have an A, we don't have a B, we've got like A, B, C, and D plots now going on. Yeah, it's, yes, it's, we, game, it's a game of two halves. The Kira stuff is great. The Wolf stuff is great. The finding a cure for Odo and him completely misunderstanding what Ezri's telling him was... Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. That was where I usually so, kind of like, yeah, I could jump ahead 10 seconds. I could do another 10 seconds. I'll just skip this whole section completely. <laughs> um, it's not that those bits were bad. I love the bit where Quark comes up and says, I've got coffee because I know you're working on a cure. Mm-hmm. But I just, I felt it took... O'Brien and Bashir, and O'Brien really is just sat there with his feet up. O'Brien's not really involved in it. It took Bashir, it seemed to me, quite a lot of episode to get to the point where he got to, which is, holy shit, Section 31 did this. Oh, yeah. and, and the whole... Uh, okay, he's it's even called out in this episode that he's, oh, you really are genetically enhanced, aren't you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, he remembers a report he read seven years ago, doesn't he? Right, and he can't... I put together faster about the date, what, 449-whatever, 119. I'm like, yeah, that's the same date you were just talking to the other guy five minutes ago about that you want. Because he's like, oh, my, wait, why is that number so familiar? I'm like, you idiot! (laughs) I kind of think that, that that subplot would have been much better maybe if we hadn't cut back to him as many times as we did. Because it's like, we know he's working on this. I want to see Kira with um, the Cardassians more. Because yeah. that's just so much more fun. Kicking empty containers all around a room. Well, I, my favorite bit about that was when Garrick said to whoever Vaughn Armstrong's character was, and he said to him, she'd have kicked your ass. And he went, I'd like to see her try. It's Garrick's reaction in the background that sells that line. He says she would have killed you. <laughs> he doesn't say she would have kicked your ass. 
Garrett walks away just shaking his head. Like, yeah. It's a okay. brilliant piece of acting from Andy Robinson. Which is what we've come to expect from him. I, I have to say, even you know the Bashir slowness of the plot development didn't really bother me to speak of. I really enjoyed this episode, but I think you have to view it really as just an ongoing, you know, part of an ongoing story. It's not even really a chapter in the story because there's a lot of different threads that are being played with here. And, you know, I, I can sympathize with the writers when they know where they're going and they know how they have to get there. And now they're trying to figure out the pacing of how to go along with these seven episodes to get to where they want to get. Not only that, but to have each episode end on something where you say, ooh, what's going to happen next? And some real life things had actually changed how the episodes were going to progress, like we had mentioned mm. last time. And actually, one of the reasons that um, Ducat was blinded and set out in the street was basically just to separate these two, these two crazy kids, was to split them up because they had introduced their storyline too early because they had to jumble things around. So now it's like, well, we don't really need them. And. We don't want to watch them for the next two, three episodes going, no, you read the book. No, you read the book. Oh, you read the book. It's so cute. So, you know, that's why Adami, Adami, help me, Adami. I can't see Adami. Ah. I liked that, though. I thought it was a good development. You know, he has to, he now has to, he, it's not that he's going to be switched to the side of good, but he has to be humbled just the same, for, you know, by the pirates. But it was done just to just to separate them. Okay, well, we're going to, yeah, nah. We don't need to deal with them for now. That was the reason, you know, uh, p- pacing-wise that they did it. But I thought they came up with a good way of doing it. And I oh, yeah. It's, oh, yeah, yeah, that was cool. He's like, I'm looking in a book. I'm looking. In, hey, why is that turning red? Ah, ah, I can't see, I can't see. It would have been better if she walked and said, I told you to stop that or you'll go blind. <laughs> and grow hair on your palms. <laughs> And, and again, there's lots of other things that that happened with. Originally, Odo was going to be Typhoid Murray. He wasn't actually going to get sick. And in the writing of this episode, they decided there's no emotional weight to that. He needs to get ill. And that changed then. It wasn't supposed to be Kira and Odo who went with Garrick. It was supposed to be Odo trying to find his own cure. So basically, I feel really sorry for Ron Moore because this is the second time in this last 10 episodes that the writer of the episode prior to his has had to phone him up and say, Yin, you know all that stuff we discussed? We're not doing that. And he's had to change his script based on the one prior changing in the writing of it. And he's right, though. If if you just said, well, Odo's not going to die, he's just got the disease, he's, he's immune to it, there's no dramatic weight to that. We don't care about the other founders because as is pointed out by section 31 here they're the bad guys yeah if all the other founders died tomorrow we'd be like oh oh well no 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 that may not have necessarily been section 31 that guy they were talking to that was starfleet medical which was kind of cold yeah but do you believe starfleet medical didn't know about that yeah um i could see them uh, knowing certain up to a certain level no like I'm sure somebody higher up knew. I'm sure it's compartmentalized, and there's only certain people that know, but somebody in in Starfleet Medical knew that. Yeah, I'm thinking that they used the services of somebody in Starfleet Medical to help them to do what they needed to do, but that doesn't mean it was common knowledge by any stretch. And I I think this guy is, one, he's a mid-level bureaucrat, and he kind of is looking at it 
in a not a viewpoint we would normally see in Starfleet, but you know they have been attacked. You know he may have had friends that was lost that 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 were killed in battle, and he's kind of like, yeah, what's your problem? You know we're at war. Um, I don't care. Sorry. I mean I don't think this guy he was talking to was necessarily Section Thirty One. No, I think the guy he was talking to was just an officious bureaucrat. Yeah. And especially even the guy who, who he asked a bunch of questions of. And then he said, oh, I'm still not giving it you. Yeah. But I, I'm i not entirely convinced there isn't somebody in Starfleet Medical who didn't know about it. Like maybe Section 31 has an agent in Starfleet oh, Medical. Oh, yeah. Yes, I would agree with that, yeah. But I don't think as a whole Starfleet Medical knew about it. No. Well, I don't think they would have been successful in doing what they do if they had, you know, if what they were doing was basically public knowledge they needed to you know they need to act covertly did you not see the second season of star trek uh, discovery no. <laughs> i did but that's Just different <laughs> i'm talking, ah, I'm talking about one we've got ships we've got stealth ships we've got all kinds of things i'm oh, talking about i'm talking about a good star trek series <laughs> so uh what do you guys think of, of, of crazy eyes killer uh Taking taking a, a hold of the fleet and saying hey, we're gonna we're gonna ride them all to death. Yeah. Oh God. <clears throat> I, I love Worf's reaction to it because Worf already has a very low opinion of Gowron anyway. Mm-hmm. He already thinks that once he ascended to running the Empire, he became a bureaucrat. So the fact that he, he rocks up five minutes before the end and he's going to score the winning goal, it's so typically Gowron. Is it though? That's that's what I was wondering because. I, I remember him in Star Trek The Next Generation, you know, where they set him up that you're rooting for him. And I don't remember him being particularly a jerk. No, but that's what they're saying. Once he ascended to being the ruler, he's become somebody who's very interested in rewriting history in his own favor. And that's been more of his role in DS9, I think, than in, in, in The Next Generation. Yeah, he, but once okay. he's got the power, he's essentially become the flip side of uh, Kai Wynn. But have, have we seen that before this episode, is what I'm asking. Cause, yes. Because I don't really remember seeing it where it was distinguishable until now. I I think it's certainly been... Yeah, because Worf has said before... I'm sure Worf has said before, once he got into the Klingon Council, he's become a bureaucrat. He's no longer a warrior. I'm sure Worf mentioned that in one of his previous appearances. Let me scroll through. Okay, uh, I'll, I'll buy that. Uh, see, I see him as the the new second lieutenant who needs to be shot in the back by his own men. Yeah, I was thinking that, Dev. I was thinking at what point a Gowron, oh, sorry, a um, Ducat. I've completely forgotten his name. Wolf and the other guy. Martok. Thank you. At what point a Wolf and Martok going to assassinate Gowron for the good of the Empire? Oh, we will see. soon. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Spoilers. Whoops. Because I was thinking at this point, that surely seems inevitable. Because Worf's never liked him. And he's never liked Worf because Worf knows the real underlying reasons of how he came to power. But since Worf has been made part of Gowron's house, Martok's house, Gowron's not been able to touch him. Yeah. Well, and that's and that's where I'm going with this, because I don't really remember him on TNG being on the other side of the aisle from Worf. I, I thought Worf was a supporter of his at that point. I think it was for the good of the Empire. Yeah, it's it's not that he supported Gowron particularly. It's that for the sake of the Empire, he took discommendation and allowed Gowron to take the position that he felt he rightly earned. 
Well, because and I, I mean, the flip side was the House of Duras, who basically, mm. you know, that's it was choosing between a lesser of two evils, and Gauron was definitely that at that point. Yeah, but at the time when it was presented, I always had the impression, and maybe I'm, you know, maybe I was looking at it too simply, but I always had the impression that they didn't really set it up with the shades of gray. It was like Duras were the bad guys, and Gowron was the good guy, and and Morph was going on the side of the good guy, and he was willing to take this commendation to get the good guy into the uh, the seat of power. It, it, I don't think it was presented, at least. It, but to my perception, I don't remember perceiving it as the lesser of two evils. I remember it being presented as this is the right one and this is the wrong one. It, I, I see it sort of much more black and white and less shades of gray back then. No, I saw no. it as a shade of gray because Gowron was – he was the better, the lesser – he was the one that would, quote-unquote, bring stability to the Empire. But Worf, but Worf had to basically suck it up and be – you know, get the whole dis- – commendation ceremony done yes. when uh, big, well that right there but I didn't, but I didn't think like that was Gowron, I didn't think that was Gowron's doing so much I oh, thought Gowron it was more was circumstances he couldn't have Worf coming up as a as a rival to him and his power yeah no way. okay maybe, maybe I, like I said maybe I was just looking at it in too much of a black and white way because I didn't really see those shades of grey in, in it back then so. Gowron's always been a dick he's always had the bulgy eyes yeah hmm He's the Marty Feldman of the Klingon Empire. With the goo-goo googly eyes? Uh, you know, the other, the other thing, you know, we, we mentioned uh, Kai Wynn and, and Gul Tukat, but I, I kind of feel like, you know, besides the fact that they're just shuffling them off to, to make time, uh, I just like the fact that, you know, and it kind of goes to the same kind of motivations that we're talking about here. Once he really served her purposes as far as she was concerned, she had no problem at all just cutting ties and casting him off you know it just you know it just emphasizes what a user she is and and i thought that was part of the the positive of this you know of the way they handled this situation like you said they they realized they had to come up with some sort some sort of a uh, scheme to to delay them a little bit but i think what they came up with was very effective and i think it serves a lot of purposes character wise and storytelling wise you know what's really interesting is how she seems to have suddenly have uh, like uh, compartmental amnesia. Oh, oh she I do hope had that. I no 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 no. I mean, I do hope we find Solbor. Oh, where could I have gone? He was just here. Let me wipe my hands of his blood. As yeah, she as she sidesteps like six inches to put her foot over the blood stain on the carpet. <laughs> she <laughs> kicks his foot underneath the table. Have you found him yet? I do hope he's, he turns up. But it just it just emphasizes wh- how truly phony she is. And ruthless. Yeah, and that's yeah. something yeah. we've known pretty much since our introduction. We've always known that she was a phony. And now and now the veil is gone. It's it's full on, you know, crazy guy. I like that uh, Admiral Warrock complained about having to cut his hand. It still hurts. <laughs> <laughs> that's what the blood wine's for. I thought that was a good touch, you know, because they, they do that so often on the show with the Klingons where they're taking a knife and cutting their hand. And every time I think, oh, I wouldn't want to do that. <laughs> you know, but, but everybody just does it like it's no big deal. Well, the first yeah, why, don't, why don't they just cut the thumb? Why doesn't anybody have to go get stitches afterwards? Because that's a big-ass knife that they're cutting their hands with. Well, maybe Dr. Bashir just waves a magic wand over it and it heals it. You know, like he can grow a kidney, so... Well, earlier when they're... When, uh, um, yeah, Cisco's like, we're next... And the Admiral's like, uh, yeah, wait, what? 
<laughs> yeah, that was a good little subtle little double take, wasn't it? <laughs> because he's smiling and then it, it just like registers what what he said and he went, what? <laughs> <laughs> I gotta go. I got a, a thing. A thing. Oh, uh, uh, I got a communication just came in, but, but I have to marry it. somebody. Yeah. <laughs> but you're already I, married. It, <laughs> if the subdermal uh, communication came in on my universal translator, I, I, I gotta go. Where's the little uh, the little refresher room or something? I, I need my blood wine. And then I get I guess the biggest part of this episode, which we've also touched upon to some degree, is just the fact of the way Cardassia and uh, the Federation are trying to work out their growing pains as the uh, you know as the revolution starts festering there, and and I like the way that Damar is willing to listen to logic mm-hmm. because he, you know, at first he's like, yes, we will, we will, we, we will not, uh, target any, any place where there's any Cardassians there. And then when Kira says, well, now you just made it easy for them because they'll put a Cardassian at every, every key target. Yeah. And, and he's like, well, yeah, you're right. I understand that now. So he's willing to listen to reason. Whereas, you know, the, that the other dude, the one that Andy likes is, uh, John outraged by it. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. I'll, I'll all I can see is the warrior cast of the Mumbara. Yeah, even even with the Cardassian makeup on, he's still Neroon, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> but they're both really good. Him and Vaughn Armstrong are really good in this one. And I did want Kira to take his head off just because he's a smarmy guy. But it shows how much Damar has, has come along, that he's now willing to listen to Kira and make her comfortable. And I like the compromise that Cisco came up with as well, give her a Starfleet commission. Yeah, yeah, she's in, she's in her... Uh... Her little she she's a she's a commander. Yeah. Commander Kira. Uh, and Odo goes along with them for no reason whatsoever. And they do right rightly point out that technically Odo is a collaborator. Oh yeah, they are right, and, and Kira's just willing to sweep that right under the carpet. Yeah. I mean he wasn't specifically collaborating with them, and as we've seen, he did try to help the the Bajurans whenever it could. But at the same time he was working for the Cardassians. Well, and I guess that gets to that fine definition between being a collaborator and being mm. naive. I think Odo was a bit naive back then because he even says he's like, I thought they would, those that were, you know, guilty would be brought to justice. But he didn't understand the Cardassian system where basically yeah. you're guilty, guilty in the trial is just to figure out how we're going to kill you. Yeah. You know, so, that's yeah, so Cardassian I, I can justice. See, I can see why she's splitting hers. But I, I love it when they do do that with the characters. I just said do do. I love it when they do that. <laughs> well, I mean, it goes to it goes to the argument of you know when when they talk about war criminals and the the argument of I was just following orders. Orders, yeah. Or the excuse of I was just following orders, and then people saying no, that's not good enough. So you know, at what point? At what point? It's it's a very that's you know we talk black and white and gray. That's a very gray area. But when, you know, when, at what point is it his obligation to say, no, I will not do this? Well, it becomes, does it, can you draw a line between, say, the SS guy who shows up in the middle of the night and simply because, you know, you're an, of an undesirable, from their perspective, person and send you off to a camp, or you're a regular policeman who's investigating robberies and that sort of thing? You know, is there a distinction, or are you simply part of the whole? Well, that's that's why I'm saying I think it's a gray area. I think it depends on to what extent you acted, to what extent you had an opportunity to act and chose not to. 
you know, it's probably something that should be viewed on a case-by-case basis, but then when you're talking in, you know, tremendous groups uh, of people who are involved in these things, you know, how do you break it down to a case-by-case basis? How do you distinguish? I, I think it's, you know, it's probably an impossible question to answer correctly. But in Odo's case, we are able to see individually what he did, and there were points where he probably allowed things to happen that he should have affirmatively taken steps. But, you know, like you... I, I guess, Bill, you mentioned that he, he did help Bajorans when the uh, opportunity presented itself. So, you know, that counterbalances it. And it just becomes a real question of, you know, from a Bajoran perspective, should he be considered a war criminal? And I, I don't know. I think, I think you can make arguments on both sides of that one, and then you'd have to have a, uh, you know, some sort of jury decide that question. I mean, I, I for one, couldn't see someone who went to work for the occupying power ever holding a position of authority in the new government. Yours was going to be an important voice in the new world order, second only uh. to my own. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's I, you know, and I think our perspective on it is probably colored to some extent just based on the fact that we've followed seven seasons of this show and seen Odo as a, you know, responsible, respectable, uh, honorable person and therefore we can't imagine that that you know he he'd be guilty of these atrocities but if there ever was some sort of a war crime tribunal for this i'm not so sure it would be that easy for it to be decided i don't know that it's just automatic that he would be getting off which is probably why he never wanted us to go down this route to discussing this it would have been it would have been interesting if they did have an episode or even a two-parter where he was tried for war crimes and you know i mean you you can write you you have the right ability to write the script so you can have him uh either either be acquitted or get off on some kind of technicality but you could have they could have written a very very interesting episode or story on that well this one was covered a little bit with the with the one where he uh what they had the flashback where well they went in odo's head yeah so i mean it, it was touched on there but not into the sense that he was actually brought to any type of uh trial or charges by the bajorans i think it could like i said i think it could have been an interesting storyline where maybe they they uh captured some uh some cardassians who ran a a uh maybe who were running the station besides ducat and they put them on trial and then next thing you know they brought odo in to stand trial right alongside them you know they you know, they should have had it being pushed by Kai Wynn as well. That way, Kira would hate her even more. <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know what? And Kai, Kai Wynn would have been... I'm sorry to keep holding you to interrupt you and stepping on you, Dave, but I'll, I'll give you a minute. It would, have, it would have been cool to have Kai Wynn be all for his conviction until he was acquitted and then all of a sudden be like, oh, you know, I was always hoping that, you, <laughs> that they'd find the truth about you, my <laughs> child. <laughs> see, I could see him being acquitted. I mean, I can't see him not being found guilty of committing war crimes, but by the same token, someone who was in that position, I don't see you making them chief of police in, you know, in equivalent. Yeah, we're not going to punish you and we're not going to lock you up for what you did, but we're certainly not going to put you you in charge. Right. I think I think it, you know it might be a missed opportunity because they really could have done well. You know, have, writing some uh, summations for the uh, 
you know, the counsel for uh, Odo and the counsel trying to prosecute him, presenting their perspectives, and then he gets acquitted, but it's still a gray area that people can say, you know, oh, it's not so clear. And then maybe you have him, you know, you, you still have Starfleet say, well, you know what, we can't have him in a position with this much authority. He stays in the cast, but he's been somewhat neutered as far as his authority goes. I think it could have been an interest, very interesting development. How do you neuter a changeling? Oh, sorry. Carefully. Very carefully. <laughs> With goo. With an, with an eyedropper. <laughs> uh, any other any other key points in this one that we need to discuss, or that we should discuss? <sighs> I'm going to take that as a no. So I guess it's time. Well, for me. I just hear uh, Ducat singing on the uh, on the uh, on the streets. You know, oh Mandy, gave <laughs> you gave without taking. And, and I want to see you again, Madami. Oh, <laughs> All right, so you want my rating? I want your rating. You can't handle my rating. Ah, uh, mm, well, I was gonna give this like a something into threes, but our discussion kind of brought me out of my little funk, so it'll be—I'll give it a straight up four. For you know, we're 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 on the four train. I'm I'm actually I'm actually on the four point five train. I'm gonna be on the four train. I've I've given the I'm last give two four point five and I don't feel like it's flagged at all. I think it's it's holding up and consistently solid quality. Uh, I think I gave it forward. the last one a four, didn't I? Ish. You the, no, you gave the last two a four point five and you're going oh. to four on this one. All right. Well, then 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 this one was a dip for me. Then I will stick with my 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 four four Bajoran four Bajoran porn texts. <laughs> I, I I enjoyed it. I thought it was great. I thought it was uh, on track, particularly the Kira and Cardassians and the Klingons. I gave it a four point five as well. Uh, I give it a four as well. I think it's it's good. It's it, there's nothing wrong with it. I certainly wasn't bored with it. So that's what we think. What is Blaine? Think? Maybe Blaine is on the on the street corner with uh, Goldacott singing, and we're all wondering. Oh, Blaine, what do you say about this episode? We need to know, oh, Blaine. No? That's, yeah? That's it. No? Mm-hmm. That's I figured you had good. another chorus or so. Another, oh, another verse. What am I? What do, what do I, I... I just jump for you? What am I... Yes. You're, no, that's what How you get high? and you like it. And will you come back for more if I just keep giving and giving? I only got freaking three or four episodes left. <laughs> I ain't got any more, man. So you're saying, why should I buy the milk? Well, why should I buy the cow, rather? That's right. <coughs> I'm so not a machine for you, Paul. Blaine says, Hi, guys. Now we have the big reveal about the disease that is killing the founders. We get the return of Gowron. Wynne compromises herself to continue with Ducat and move forward. Of course, most importantly, Kira goes behind enemy lines to help the Cardassians. In most Trek shows, we see very little growth and change in the characters at least under a single showrunner. If you take Picard from TNG Season 3 and put him in Season 7, in a Season 7 problem, he'll make the same decision both times, unless maybe the Borg are involved. There are some differences in characters in the first three seasons because they changed showrunners each year. The same is true of the TOS crew in any season, and almost any Voyager character except for the Doctor or Seven of Nine. That's not Deep Space Nine. Season 1, Kira would have been incapable of doing this mission, and she would have known it. 
even being asked would probably have turned her against the Federation forever at that point. Season 1 Cisco wouldn't have asked her to, to either. Season 6 Jadzia was not Season 1 Jadzia. Season 1 Bashir isn't Season 7 Bashir, etc. Characters on Deep Space Nine really and truly grew and changed. Again, I'm not going into plot details because it's hard to do that without spoiling what is to come, so I'm just going to end this here. Blaine. Yeah, I, I think that's one of the things that we've said uh, that we've enjoyed so much about this show uh, is just that you know this this show has has a deeper level of writing and characterization and quality acting than than I think any of the other shows. I, I always try to make an exception for the original series uh, because it's so beloved. But they didn't. The actors weren't asked to do in that series what the actors are asked to do in this one. Uh, they, you know, they may be just as good in their own way, but they were never asked to show the development or to be as subtle as what we get here. So I think this, this more than any other Trek series, uh, you know, showcases that. Also, you know, there's an old Bajoran saying: only Kira can go to Cardassia. <laughs> You know what subplot we did touch on? The fact that Bashir is not getting... Uh, he didn't hear Ezri basically saying, I'm in love with you. That totally... We didn't discuss that at all. Maybe because it was just such a minor point and, and actually, you know, almost just it got stepped all over in this e- episode by the whole thing with Odo, that Bashir was more interested in that at that time. So, but, uh, but I'm sure that will develop in another episode down the road <laughs> so uh i guess that's it for when it rains when it rains when it rains oh wait that's no that's not a song that's a that's a wait 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 what is that it's almost let it snow almost no 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 rain when it rains thank you that's it's what it is i knew it was air clapping but i couldn't Sorry, I was it's, doing for It's let it rain, right? Let it rain, yeah, let it yes. rain, rain down on me. Let it rain. Okay. Never mind. Do we have any email? No. Jeez. Okay. What did you delete it, Andy? <laughs> Andy, I didn't mean, I did didn't a preemptive strike. Paul's, he had a strike. Paul's, Paul's scratching his head going, you know, I could have swore we had seven emails in here. <laughs> no, there's no email. There's nothing here. The sack is empty. I have drained the sack. Yes, Kai, Kai Andy is kicking the letters <laughs> under his desk. <laughs> push, 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 push. No, there is no email. We see Angela in the background shredding the emails. Shred it, Jack! Before we go any Man further with this, that's it for this week. <laughs> what are we doing next time? Next time on an all new episode, we are looking at Tacking into the Wind. A time of crisis. Yalron is leading us all to ruin. A time for action. Something has to be done. A time for treason. Challenge Galwan. In the middle of a war? To save the Klingon Empire. You are squandering our ships and our lives. Will Worf have to destroy it? This is madness. On the next Star Trek Deep Space Nine. You don't tug on to Superman's cape. You don't don't tack into the wind. wind. You don't pull the mask off. Packing, that's a sailing thing, right? Hmm? 
that's a sailing thing, right? Tacking, I would think. I, I don't even know. Yeah, I think it is. It's something to do with the angle of your sails or something. And before one of you says, what did you do? You, you were in the yeah, Navy. The, really? The Navy I wasn't boy. on a sailing ship, you morons. <laughs> Navy boy. <laughs> you mean they don't teach you that in case the ship runs out of gas? That's right, yeah. We're going to get all our bed sheets to tie them together. Bill, Bill has to take a pair of his tidy whities and run them up the pole. <laughs> you weren't Horatio Harnblower. You were Pump for Red October. Attack <laughs> this, buddy. Sure. I'm Russian in this film, but my accent will not deviate at all. <laughs> Got to run my underwear up and do a crazy Ivan. Miss Moneypenny. Oh, shit. <laughs> Oh, okay, that is a dog. I was like, what? We have, are we all right? Well, it's not a dog. It's a good episode, dude. It's, uh, set loose the dogs of war. Cry havoc! And let loose the pups of war. Listen to the prophets at Deep Space Nine Podcast is a two true freaks presentation. It is hosted by Andrew Leyland and Paul Spataro. The music and sound clips used in the show are copyright CBS and Paramount Entertainment. If you like to buy stuff from Amazon, and who doesn't, why not drop by the 2TrueFreaks.com website, where if you click the little link that we have there, it will take you straight through that site, and whilst it won't cost you any extra, we'll put a few shekels in our tip jar, which helps create content like this. We very much hope you enjoyed listening to The Prophets. Every episode is dedicated to the memory of our pal, Sean Engel. Maybe we should just do it without him, Dave. Fuck him. Yeah, it could be more interesting. Yeah, let's just do our own episode. Hello, everybody. Talk about everything except Star Trek Deep Space Nine. (laughs) How do you feel about the world today? We're here to help.